0: I want you to notice that our year-to-date annual budget deficit has been erased, and we now have a surplus. So look at that carefully. There were some wild and crazy acts of generosity last month. Uh, Those should be celebrated. God should be thanked. Uh, Greatly, greatly encouraging to see uh, your generosity. So our general fund is now um, above budget, which is very encouraging. The, The capital campaign is still in need. And if you would like to help us with that, all you have to do on your check memo is write J-O-F, Journey of Faith, and that will help pay for the building in which we are now sitting in. And when we are debt-free, there will be some great celebration and some great acts of generosity that are going to happen then. But uh, right now, we need to be faithful in that front as well. I hope that you'll do that. Another thing we want to celebrate is that um, to celebrate about 18 years of faithful service to us at the church, Rob Craig is taking a sabbatical. Um, he started today i think and he will be on sabbatical the rest of the year so you'll see rob he'll be having a little more bounce in his step be smiling a little bigger probably be a little fitter knowing rob um, i hope that you'll pray for rob that this will be a time of refreshment and restoration for him uh, that god would enlarge his vision to lead our church in evangelism and mission in the days that are ahead so and of course we as a people of faith, uniquely celebrate Melba's home going. Our great loss is Melba's great gain. We believe that absent from the body, for those who trust in Christ, is to be present with the Lord. And so we rejoice in God's provision for her through the the death and resurrection, especially, of Jesus. Do be in prayer for Dave, her husband, and Bonnie, her daughter, and uh, Greg, her husband, and their son, Scott. Pray for them as they grieve the loss of uh, an amazing uh, lady. So um, we welcome your prayers for their family, and we celebrate God's goodness at the same time. If you'll bow with me, let's pray. Lord, Bless Dave and his children. May your comfort and your presence be nearer now than it ever has been. Um, May the hope of the gospel, of resurrection life in Christ, be as real as the air that they breathe today. Protect them from our adversary who would tempt them even in their darkest hours. And now, Lord, bring grace to us. We are in need of your blessing to come to us through your word. Bring it, bring it heavy upon us, God, that we might be strengthened to live for you as we leave this place. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. At the end of Deuteronomy 32, it's the very day that Moses penned that song that we looked at in chapter 32 that God had given to him. Verse 48 says, that very day the Lord spoke to Moses, go up this mountain of the Abarim, Mount Nebo, which is the land of Moab, opposite Jericho, and view the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel for a possession. So God sends Moses up this mountain so he can look into the promised land that they are right on the edge of. Then he says to him, and die on the mountain which you go up and be gathered to your people as Aaron, your brother, died in Mount Hor and was gathered to his people, because you broke faith with me in the midst of the people of Israel at the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the wilderness of Zin, and because you did not treat me as holy in the midst of the people of Israel. For you shall see the land before you, this is God's grace to Moses, but you shall not go there into the land that I am giving to the people of Israel. And that's The consequence for Moses' sin. And this passage really underscores for us the severity of sin. But it is also the context for the passage that we're going to look at today, which gives us a remarkable look into Moses' life. The... um, The entirety of chapter 33 really is given over to Moses blessing the people. So you can imagine on one of the most discouraging days of Moses' life where God says, you can go up on the mountain and look in the land, but you can't go in. Moses' focus and desire is to bless the people. The people in his own mind that he thinks are partly responsible for him not being able to go into the land. Back in Deuteronomy 24, remember Moses says, <clears throat> furthermore, the Lord was angry with me, Moses says, because of you. And he swore that I should not cross the Jordan and that I should not enter the good land the Lord your God was giving you for inheritance. If you were Moses, would the predominant thing on your mind be, on the perhaps the most disappointing day of your life, be... To bless the people. Now, I'm not talking about that kind of uh, southern aberration of bless that goes kind of like this. Oh, bless his heart. Right? Where you say something, anything you want about somebody, and then you follow it up with bless his heart. And it's supposed to sound good. This, this happened at a football game I was at last night. I was at my son's football game. And uh, grandpa was sitting down on the front row of the bleachers. And the, the daughter... And, her, and his granddaughter were up high in the bleachers, and he said, I'll come down here and sit with me. And, he, and she's like, we can't see down there. And he goes, oh, bless your heart. You know, what that means is, get your sorry backside down here and sit with your grandpa. Okay. It just sounds better when you say that. That's not the kind of blessing we're talking about. We're talking about what Webster says is a genuine blessing to confer prosperity or happiness upon someone. Would you on your most discouraging day, be concerned about blessing others. See, the, the incredible thing about what we're reading in Deuteronomy 33 is Moses, Moses does do that. He is concerned about that. And so I read that and I ask the question, how do you become that kind of person? How do you become that kind of leader when you're at your worst place? and your concern is for others one of the clues comes to us from about, about Moses from numbers chapter 12 verse 3 it says this it's remarkable now Moses was a very humble man more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth see others mattered more to Moses and not just any others, but stubborn, rebellious, grumbly others. They mattered more to him than his own interest did, even on his most disappointing day. And so because of this, Moses is one of my heroes. I've reflected on his life, really desired to emulate his leadership, try to figure out how, how do you live a leadership this humble. And one of, the, one of the patterns for me is the passage that we're looking at today on how Moses prays for people Um, that's really for me my main takeaway from this chapter is how am I as your pastor to pray for you and um, twice a year our elders grant me really it's, it's not really about my elders it's about my wife Okay, my wife grants me a week away a week of solitude to spend in study and reflection and prayer for the restoration of my own soul and a great opportunity for me to intercede for you for the church next week is scheduled to be that week Okay, this uh, tomorrow I'm scheduled to leave uh, to go away until Friday and to pray um, to pray God's favor on your life after the pattern of Moses so as we look at at God's pattern for Moses it's a little overwhelming he He blesses. He has eleven different blessings for eleven different tribes here. Uh, I can't go through them all, but there are a series of about four themes that run through these that will be the guideline for me as I pray for you this week, and I hope that they will be an encouragement to you. Um, You read this, and you might ask as you first read this chapter: Is this Moses' blessing for the people or God's blessing for the people? And the answer is yes. This is God's blessing. Through Moses for his people. And my prayer is that it will be the same for you um, as I have the privilege to pray for you this week. The first of these four main themes that I want to underscore is the, the theme of victory, the blessing of victory. Repeatedly, Moses prays, and this blessing is in some ways like a prayer, I'll treat it as such: that they would prevail over their enemies. That's the blessing he desires for them. You see it down in verse 7. This is the blessing for the tribe of Judah. He said of Judah, hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah, and bring him into his people with your hands, contend for him, and be a help against his adversary. More provocatively, look at verse 11. This is the blessing for Levi. Bless, O Lord, his substance, and accept the work of his hands Crush the loins of his adversaries, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Okay. Men, if you've ever had your loins crushed, you know this is serious (laughs) victory here. Okay. You get your loins crushed, you never rise again after that. That's what God is, that's what God is praying or Moses is praying for the people. Um, Now, keep in mind with me today as we look at these blessings. Okay. Okay. We are not, Israel, in the Promised Land long ago. So these blessings are not going to take the exact same shape for us today as they did for God's people in that land at that time. They still reveal to us the heart of God to bless His people. And the New Testament shows us a little bit of a different shape to it. Typically, their blessings were more material, explicitly, and ours, though still many times material, have a more spiritual core and focus that's going to go with them. I hope you'll see that as we walk through these today and think about this. But when we pray for victory, as a result of that, um, it's not that we're you know our team's going to win this afternoon. Okay, It's not that kind of victory. It's not that my business is going to flourish. It's not necessarily that kind of victory, though God does grant that kind of thing. But our victory um, is the sure hope of victory for us. lies in the spiritual realm that we will not fall into temptation. As Jesus taught us to pray, deliver me from temptation. 1 John 5 talks about it as well. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? By faith, we overcome the world. This is a spiritual victory. By faith, we say no to the temptation the world throws at us. So, this week... I will be praying for you as Moses prayed the blessing of victory, of prevailing over your enemies, that you will have victory over temptation. And that means that I'll be praying that you will pray. Because Jesus says that one of the keys to victory in temptation is to pray. And in, in Mark 14, it says, Jesus in the garden says, Watch and pray. That you may not enter into temptation. So I'll pray that you pray and you won't enter into temptation. I'll pray that you take the way of escape that God Himself has committed to provide for you. Paul amazingly tells us there's always a way of escape from temptation. In 1 Corinthians 10, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He will. He will provide you a way of escape. So I will be praying for you that you will have victory over temptation even when you are wronged and tempted to do wrong in turn. There's a theologian named Miroslav Volf. If you're looking for a name for your next son, Miroslav Volf. And uh, he had something really wise to say about this. He says, to triumph fully, evil needs two victories, not one. The first victory happens when an evil deed is perpetrated. The second victory, when evil is returned. After the first victory, evil would die if the second victory did not infuse it with new life. So I'm going to pray that you will turn the other cheek when you are wronged. I'm going to pray that you will overcome evil with good, that you will bless those who curse you, and you will love even your enemies, and you will experience victory, the victory that God has for you. I will be praying not just that you buck up and try hard this week, but that God will be welcomed by you to contend for you. This is why prayer is so important praying that you will understand that you must not, that you cannot win this fight on your own, that God must contend for you to prevail against temptation. It's a fascinating story. Back in 1927, um, the director, Cecil B. DeMille, he cast a uh, British-born actor named H.B. Warner. Uh, Most of you will know him as the druggist in It's a Wonderful Life. But back in 1927, he was cast to be Jesus in, the, in uh, DeMille's famous silent film, The King of Kings. Okay. Um, he was kept, Warner was, on a really short leash by uh, the director during the film because Cecil B. DeMille thought that any behavior by the lead actor that was deemed inconsistent with the image of Christ would result in negative publicity for the film. So as a result... DeMille enforced strict measures to ensure that Warner kept up a good Jesus image, or at least what DeMille thought would be a good Jesus image um, to protect the film. So both Warner and his co-star, Dorothy Cumming, who played Mary, the mother of Jesus, had to sign agreements that barred them for five years from appearing in film roles that might compromise their holy screen images. That was written into their contract. During the filming, Warner was driven to the set with blinds drawn. He wore a black veil as he was delivered to the set. Um, DeMille separated Warner from the other cast members, even forcing him to eat alone every day, just like Jesus would, right? DeMille had a really bizarre idea of what Jesus was like. Warner couldn't play cards, couldn't go to ball games, ride in a convertible, or go swimming. Evidently, Jesus would do none of those things as well. But here's the point. Unfortunately... The writer says that the regimen of rules and regulations didn't make Warner more holy. Instead, all of the pressure to be more Christ-like without having the power or forgiveness of Jesus seemed to drive Warner over the edge. During the production of the King of Kings, rather than act more like Jesus, Warner merely relapsed into his addiction to alcohol. It is not about just trying harder. It's about welcoming and crying out to God to contend for you and for him to to work the great victory on your behalf. So I'll pray for you this week that you will pray and that God will give you the victory over the adversary that you face. That's the first great theme in the blessings of Moses in chapter 33. There's a second theme that I'll also be praying for you this week. And it's one that makes us a little nervous sometimes. I'll be praying for prosperity for you. It's a big theme, maybe the big theme in in these blessings. It happens for the tribe of Levi and Zebulun and Gad and Naphtali and especially Joseph. Listen to the blessing on Joseph in verse 13. Of Joseph, he said, blessed by the Lord be his land with choicest gifts of heaven above and of the deep that crouches beneath with the choicest fruits of the sun and the rich yield of the months with the finest produce of the ancient mountains and the abundance of the everlasting hills with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness okay that's some kind of farmers market right i mean this is lavish prosperity that moses is praying upon joseph Now again, we are not in the promised land as they were, Um, so the blessing often takes a little different twist for us. God still blesses his people material. We are are beneficiaries of that this day. But the emphasis seems to have shifted uh, from having much to sharing much as an evidence of God's great favor on your life. Um, the focus is that we are blessed to be a blessing like Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians eight and nine where, or, where' 8 nine where it says for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich And just a couple of verses of later Paul exhorts these churches. Your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. And the idea is that we are conduits of God's blessing, not cesspools. The point is that we're not going to keep it all to ourselves. We are going to share it. So this week, I will pray that God is going to prosper you, and that you will pass it on with gladness of heart. We had this experience last week last week. I let you know uh, that we had run out of money to help those in need to pay their power bills and uh, buy groceries and such in the community, and you generously replenished us. Uh, we have lots of resources now to help people this month. We are in good shape, and I'm deeply thankful. you know we're blessed to be a blessing. Um, it's interesting these Verses in 2 Corinthians are not written to a rich church. They're written to really poor churches. You don't have to wait to be rich to pass on the blessing of God to others. You can do that right where you are. It's fascinating. Um, A guy named Richard Stearns writes that in 1987, he says, the largest single-day stock market crash since 1929 at that time took place And he says, in one day, my wife Renee and I lost more than one-third of our life savings and the money we had put aside for our kids' college education. He says, I was horrified. I became like a man obsessed, each night working past midnight, analyzing on spreadsheets all that we had lost, and the next day calling in orders to sell our remaining stocks and mutual funds to prevent further losses. He says, of course, that turned out to be the absolute worst thing that I could have done. He says, I was consumed with anguish over our lost money, and it showed. One night when I was burning the midnight oil, Renee came and sat beside me, and she said, Honey, this thing is consuming you in an unhealthy way. It's only money. We have our marriage, our health, our friends, our children, a good income, so much to be thankful for. You need to let go of this and trust God. He says, don't you hate it when someone crashes your pity party? I didn't want to let go of it. I told her I felt responsible for a family and that she didn't understand. It was my job to worry about things like this. She suggested we pray about it, something that hadn't occurred to me. And so we did. And at the end of the prayer to my bewilderment, Renee looked at me and said, now I think we need to get out the checkbook and write some big checks to our church and ministries we support. We need to show God that we know this is his money and not ours. He says, I was flabbergasted at the audacity of this suggestion. But in my heart, I knew she was right. So that night, we wrote some sizable checks, put them in envelopes addressed to various ministries, and sealed them. And that's when I felt the wave of relief. We had broken the spell that money had cast over me. It freed me from the worries that had consumed me. I actually felt reckless and giddy. I prayed, God, please catch us, because we just took a crazy leap of faith. I will pray for you, especially those of you who are in seminary, that what God has prospered you with, you will be generous with now. You will not wait for a day when things are better for you to pass on the blessing that God has given to you. The third thing that I see in Moses' prayers of blessing upon the people that I will be praying for you this week is safety. Down in the blessing of Benjamin in verse 12, he says, The beloved of the Lord dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulders. Again, this is a very legitimate thing to pray for God's protection Uh, It happens often in the Scriptures, but again, there's a bit of a twist for us when we don't live in the promised land. It is not a get-out-of-suffering-free card. Peter makes that clear in the New Testament when he writes in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Of course, then there's that sobering list from Hebrews 11 uh, of great people of faith who had suffered. Some faced jeers and flogging, Hebrews 11 says. While still others were chained and put in prison, they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, ill-treated, and the world was not worthy of them. So it is not a get-out-of-suffering free card. And I will pray for you that though you may suffer, you'll be kept safe from our adversary, the devil, who does Like a roaring lion prowl about seeking someone to devour. I'll pray that you'll resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'll pray that you will flee sexual immorality and idolatry and the evil desires of youth. And that God will be your protector. That he will be your strong tower, your refuge, your mighty fortress. That he will be your safety. Last major theme that's going to shape my prayers for you this week is favor, God's favor. Um, Down in verse 23 in the blessing on the tribe of Naphtali, it says, O Naphtali, sated with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possess the lake and the south. The New International Version says, Naphthali is abounding with the favor of the Lord and is full of blessing. That you are, when you are sated with something, it's like you're cooking those ribs on the grill and then you bring them in the house and you eat the entire plate of ribs and you push back from the table and you can't eat anymore. You're sated, you're satisfied, you're content. I want to pray that you would be content with God's blessing on your life, that that would be the thing that satisfies you, that you would know the pleasure of pleasing God. There's a, a boxing writer, former boxing writer, his name is Harold Conrad, and he actually visited a women's prison with um, heavyweight fighter Muhammad Ali, Okay. So Muhammad Ali is visiting a women's prison, and he says, all the inmates lined up, and they were ooing and eyeing as he went along. He says, there were some good-looking ones, but Ali only kissed the ugly ones. So after they left the prison, Conrad asked the fighter to explain why he chose to kiss only those women. And Muhammad Ali said, because no one ever kisses them. The man who called himself the greatest, right? He says, but now they can remember that Ali kissed them. Okay. The idea is that a kiss from someone great has transforming power. Guys, you can use this later if this will <laughs> serve your purposes nobly with your bride. I'm going to pray that you would know the kiss of the greatest, truly the greatest on your life. That the blessing of God would be upon you and it would change you. And I pray that your life would be easy for God to show favor on. You know, there, there are places God loves to bless. Obedience, love, faithfulness, hope. Purity, those kind of things. He loves to bless people who are walking in those ways. I hope you live there and that your life would be sated with God's favor. Proverbs 19, 23 says, The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied. Do you know what Moses is really wishing for them, blessing them with in these four things? He is is wishing for them God. He He is blessing them that they would delight in, know, walk with, experience God. As he closes out this chapter, it turns to a portrait of God that contains all four of these things. Listen closely in verses 26 and following. It says, there's none like God, O Jeshurun, an expression for Israel. Who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty? The eternal God is your dwelling place. And underneath are the everlasting arms. And he thrust out the enemy before you and said, destroy. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine, whose heavens dropped down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph, your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. So this unique, one-of-a-kind, eternal, majestic God, He is their victory. In verse 27, He's the one who thrust out the enemy before you. In verse 29, there are people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, the sword of your triumph. He is their prosperity. In verse 28, Jacob, that's Israel, lived in a land of grain and wine. More of that prosperity image whose heavens drop down dew. He's their safety. The eternal God, verse 27, is their dwelling place and underneath are the everlasting arms. Israel lived, verse 28, in safety. And verse 29 says, all of this, makes you happy that the favor of God is on your life so this week um, as I have time away I intend to pray these things for you um, but I don't want you to have to wait till till next week I know that for some of you as as we are reading through these things you hear them and you think oh I need that from God I long for that from God on my life. So what we'll do, the worship team's going to come up now. We're going to sing a closing song. At the close of that song, they actually have two prepared for us. Before we sing the second song, I'll, I'll get back up and invite you at that time to come down here to the front, and we'll you can just kneel as a group, and we will pray these four great blessings of God upon your life. As you, if you sense that's something God's saying to you, we'll have a chance to do that in just a few minutes. But right now, let's stand Let's celebrate every good thing that comes to us, comes to us from God, our Father.